0: series that we started last week, Kara and I kind of co-taught a a sermon on community, which was so uh, appropriate. This week we're talking about uh, being a community of faith specifically, and we want to be as a church a community of faith, hope, and love. Uh, Last week we really looked at that word community and the importance of that. We're going to talk more about being a community of faith today, Uh, and as we do, I would like to ask the Holy Spirit to show up um, as we get into it. So if you would Pray with me. Father, I thank you for the good work that you are about and the things that you are doing in our church and through our church. I thank you for the opportunity to connect with people across the country who we don't know so that when we give a prophetic word in that environment, everyone knows that it's you. And Lord, I just pray that you will continue to speak, that you would continue to work. God, for everybody who has experienced weird hardships this last week, we, just, we lift them up to you and we ask that you take care of them. And I just want to pray right now uh, for salvations in this church. God, would you bring people who need to meet Jesus, who need an encounter with God in order to be saved into our community. God, would you show us where these people are in our lives, and would you help us to declare the gospel fearlessly as we should? And we just ask for these things, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Well, maybe partly because of what Matthew was kind of praying through and experiencing the other day, and maybe just because I have some other purposes. We want to start in Luke 11 today. In, In verse 14, it says this, Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. And when the demon left... The man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he's driving out demons. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebul, but now if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But but if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And what we see in the Scriptures, what we see over and over and over in the New Testament Gospels and, and throughout the, the whole biblical narrative is this idea of God regaining, uh, regaining His dominion on the earth uh, and really establishing and, and, and reestablishing His plan for all of humanity on the earth. But we also see that we are not the only players on the field, right? that the people who are following Jesus and and the the good things in the spirit realm or in the, the spirit world or the, the spiritual plane, I guess, of existence, which I think is like this plane of existence, right? Uh, the good guys aren't the only players on the field. There's another side to this. And it's spooky, right? It's spooky and it's weird and it's spiritual. And it is a kingdom that clashes with the, the powers of this present dark evil age, we see over and over that Jesus is healing the sick. He's, he's freeing people from that, from that fallen state of humanity, of being ill because of sin. Uh, he, he's, freeing, he's forgiving people of their sins. He's bringing them into right relationship with God. And he's also confronting the powers and principalities of this present evil age. And whenever that happens, it is messy. And so the first thing I want to say today is that really the only thing that can save us from those powers and principalities of this present evil age, the only thing that can deliver us from the injustice of the world, the only thing that is really a solution to the problems in my own life and in society and globally in this broken and fallen creation is Jesus Christ. That's it. There's not a plan B. Faith in Jesus is the answer. And I want to be clear about this. You know, we we talk about these supernatural experiences. We read about them in the Scripture. I seek them. I want them. I desire them. I want to get trained and equipped and practice those things. And I I want to have a supernatural encounter with God. Uh, I also think it's really important to distinguish that our faith is in Jesus Christ, not in our faith. I think that sometimes... People want to look for an explanation for the phenomena that we are experiencing, the phenomena that we we see and the the signs and the wonders that are poured out before us. And we look, much like the people in this story, for another explanation. And I think that a popular explanation for why God is so powerfully at work among us is, oh, well, you know, that's just the power of faith. That's just the power of belief. Right? Like, oh, you just you know you just you just had good beliefs and that was helpful to you, that was useful to you, and so it's, you know this is all just psychosomatic. It's all just you know, it's all just your human, uh, you know, power to believe things that you know calls them into existence or makes them true. Uh, something like like you know, if you just believe hard enough, you'll get what you want. It'll manifest. It'll come to you. You hear this in Christian circles, and you also hear this in non-Christian circles, that it's, it's really about how hard you believe in something that matters. It's not really what you believe in, it's how hard you believe in it. And, and, and it's that experience of believing hard that will benefit you and give you a good life. Now, I do think that believing hard is good. I think having big faith is great, but my faith is not in the power of my faith. My faith is not in the power of me to believe hard. My faith is in Jesus Christ, who is risen from the dead and is conquering the powers of this present present evil age and has has destroyed Satan's kingdom once and for all on the cross. And we live in this in-between time when God is breaking into our present existence. And so we see in the Scriptures that there was this idea, there was this hope that the Messiah would come and he would throw off the Roman oppressors and he would usher in the kingdom of God on the earth. That the, and, and Israel would rule and reign and that the, the promises to Abraham and the promises to David and all the, all the promises in the Old Covenant would be fulfilled in this Messiah figure and, and you know Israel will be on top and our nation will rule the world and there will be peace and harmony and and it will be restored to Eden. And something kind of like that happened in Jesus, but not all the way, right? There was something that happened in the life and the ministry of Jesus, and so we see that we actually live in this time where the fullness of the coming kingdom, the full restoration of all things, the full restoration of creation to that Eden garden, and the city of God, the New Jerusalem, that comes down out of heaven like a bride prepared for uh, prepared for the Lord. Like that, we're still waiting in many ways for those things to come. We experience darkness. We experience depression. There's mental illness. There's physical illness and death. There's decay. There's injustice. There's all manner of things that we could get really depressed and bummed out about that we might use as a justification to do other bad things, make other bad decisions, or that make it very difficult for us to believe in this coming kingdom that is so tangibly not yet here. And yet, in the person of Jesus Christ, he casts out demons, and when he does, he says, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus talks about his kingdom as something that is both a present reality and a future hope. And both are good news. When the present reality comes... Praise the Lord, right? Praise the Lord when we experience forgiveness, when we experience wholeness, when we experience healing, when we experience clarity and truth, when we experience all the goodness that God has for us poured on, out on us right now. What a joy. What a good thing. Praise God. Like, the, the only appropriate response is to worship and to say, God, thank you for your work in my life. I feel it. I see it. It's now. I can, I can taste it. I can touch it. I can walk, you know, right? Like All the things that happen when God shows up. But the future hope is also good news. And I do wonder if maybe that future hope good news is news that we need to meditate on more, that we are still waiting for something better than what we have received. We are still waiting for a time when there is no illness, when there is no death, when there is no sin, when there is no brokenness in family relationships and when our minds are restored and our our bodies are restored and our society is restored and God's kingdom breaks in in all of its fullness. But we live in this tension where we experience both. And that is what it means to continue in faith. The community of faith, hope, and love comes from a little line in Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. He says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And and then he goes on to say, he goes on to say that the greatest of these is love because faith and hope only exist in this space right here. Eventually, the hope will be realized. And eventually, what what we can't see right now, what we're hoping will happen, will be a visible and tangible reality. Love will remain forever, but while we exist here, which is, guess what? All of our waking hours, all of our life, we've got to have faith. And the thing that makes this community really a community is that shared faith. It is the shared faith in Jesus that unites us. There are a lot of differences that we all bring to the table, and those are good, and those are valid, and those are great, and, and, and every person here is made in the image of God. But what's true is that many of us would not normally choose to be friends unless Jesus Christ had drawn us together. And that's who Jesus is. He's a person who creates and builds community. He brings a tax collector and a zealot. He brings a collaborator with the enemy and a freedom fighter of that enemy into his inner circle, and he makes a community that has lasted and echoed throughout the ages because of his goodness and his worthiness. Jesus is what brings us together and creates our community, and he is at the center of what we're trying to do. We're also a community of faith that stretches back beyond our current situation. Uh, Hebrews 11 says this, and says, kind of defines faith this way. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was made not, was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did, and by faith he was commended as righteousness, as righteous, sorry, as as when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. And then, and then the author of Hebrews goes on to kind of just recite, you know, starting at the beginning, starting at creation, starting at Cain and Abel, like these ancient people, and, and just goes through and just this long litany. If you want to build your faith this week, I would encourage you, read Hebrews chapter 11. Just read. It gives you a rundown of all these heroes of faith, all these guys and gals in the Bible who trusted God when they did not see what they hoped for, when they didn't get what they wanted right now, when when, when the not yet was so tangible, but they hung on until the not yet became now they they hung on and they stuck with the faith and so our community of faith is is something that is global and that is across time throughout the ages we want to hold to truth that believers throughout the ages have trusted and that's why we keep coming back to the bible it's not because uh it's not because it gives us some kind of weird sense of control uh, you know, that, that's kind of out the window ever since Luther, honestly. You know, you give the Bible to people, and they can twist it and use it to, to do any kind of weird thing. You can find any kind of weird part of the Bible, and if you, if you take just a little bit of it, you can use it to justify the weirdest, wildest stuff, right? Like, just the most bizarre, nutso things. Uh, we see politicians do this all the time. We see people claiming that what they're doing is right because they can find one little piece. But when we look at the whole narrative, when we look at this story that spans centuries and millennia of God's activity in the world, and we see something happening in our present time that rhymes with that, that that is the same flavor, that's the same essence, that's the same Character of God that we see revealed in Scripture, we know we're on solid ground. And so I just want to be really clear. You know, the thing that makes us a community here is being part of that faith. We're being part of a community of faith that is real and incarnate and is right now in our present moment, but it is also across the globe, different cultures, different languages different ways of, you know, different mental architecture for describing the world, right? Like the beauty of that diversity of language, right? Like we're part of this thing that is huge. It's enormous. It spans time. It goes back centuries and thousands of years. And that's where we find our home. That's where we find unity and community with the saints, Read, cha- read Hebrews chapter 11 sometime this week and, and meditate on that. Think about what we have in common with these people. Because I think it's really important that we, that we remain clear that our unity and what we hold common, what makes us a community, is that shared trust in Jesus Christ, not something else. You know, We are not what we might call a fuzzy set church. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about set theory because this is kind of uh, you know, some people have heard this before, but, but fuzzy set is this idea of like, you know, you go to the bus station, there's people there, right? There's like a crowd of people, uh, but it's not really a community, right? Like there's people and there's a, there's, there's a crowd and people, are, but everybody's going their own way. Everybody's got their own agenda. Everybody's doing their own thing. For the most part, they don't talk to each other. You kind of pre- phone, head on the phone and pretend you, you don't exist, right? Uh, you go to the grocery store, there's, there's people there. They're moving around. They're doing their own thing. They've they got their own shopping list. They're, they got their own plans. They're in and out. They're coming. They're going. Right? Some churches have tried to organize around this, this idea of just, well, just come and anything goes. Right? The only rule is there are no rules. And that is not what we are as a church. That is not our vision. That is not what we're trying to do. That is not what we're about I, I wonder sometimes, you know, because we do, we do intentionally create spaces that are like this because the advantage of a space like this is that uh, anybody can just kind of wander in and it's comfortable, right? Nobody asks anything of you. You don't have to give anything to anybody else. Nobody's in charge of you. You're not in charge of anyone else. It's, it's, it's relaxed. And the reason it feels comfortable is it feels normal. It's the way of the world. This is how the world is. Everybody's kind of going around doing their own thing. And so, you know, like on Art Walk, it's a little bit of a fuzzy set environment, right? People come and go, they look at the art. But We're hoping that, that that kind of hospitality, making a little room for that mess, hopefully allows us to make friends, allows us to connect, allows us to maybe start a relationship that could become something more. Well, maybe in, perhaps in reaction to the fuzzy set and the chaos of that, people are really good at creating what are, what's called a bounded set. And so the bounded set is really focused on those boundaries, who's in and who's out. You're either in or you're out. And if you're in the out group, you know, tough luck. You're just not here. You're just not one of us, right? You're either one of us or you're one of them. And I think maybe, you know, you can pick up in the tone of how I'm talking about this that there are some obvious problems with this, right? There are many ways in which this way of thinking has created division, uh, and a lack of community. You know, you have you have great community, you have real strong community for the people in, but there's there's this boundary, and you know boundaries can be hard to cross. Boundaries can be hard to overcome, and oftentimes uh, we see you know throughout church history where where people have made up boundaries, they've made up ways to keep sinners at bay, to keep people out, to keep the the riff raff away, to, to to protect ourselves and to be uh, to be safe. That's what this is about. This is all about being safe in here. Um, and we want to keep, keep whatever else is happening outside. Well, I, I will say, you know, boundaries are real, right? Like, uh, that's, that's a thing that, that does exist. There are certain things that you can't change in life, and some healthy boundaries are probably necessary to have good relationships everybody has boundaries that they don't want crossed and it's not wrong to have boundaries but if we focus on the boundaries if the boundaries become the center uh, we're going to have problems right we're going to we're going to have problems and i would say maybe it's the case that that the fuzzy set idea might be just as much of a reaction to the unhealthy boundaries that people have come up with you know people experience something unhealthy with this idea of a bounded set community or experience. They, they were, they've been hurt. They've been left out. They've been excluded. They've been, uh, they've been the enemy. They've been the other. And so then they say, well, what we need to do is we just need to get rid of all the boundaries. No boundaries at all. That'll fix everything. Uh, and it doesn't work because there's no community. There's nothing to orient people. There's nothing to pull people together. There's no real I mean, you know, it's not so much that the fuzzy set is evil as much as it is just nothing, right? It's like eating a diet of potato chips. It's just like, it's not exactly poison. It's just not really food, you know, right? Like, it's just, like, half the bag is air, right? Like, it's just, it's just, there's there's nothing there, right? It's not going to, it's not really going to feed you. It's not really going to nourish you. It's hard to flourish. What we hope for and what's really difficult and what we often fail at is this idea of wanting to be a church that is a centered set. The centered set to the bounded set person looks a lot like the fuzzy set, right? Because the focus is not so much on the boundary. Now, again, there are boundaries. There are boundaries for leaders. There are boundaries um, in, in church, like, I mean, you know, you're either baptized or you're not, right? Like, the, the baptism ceremony is very much like, I want to be in. I want to be in Christ. I'm, I want to renounce the world and, and be raised to new life in Christ. That's not bad. But in a centered-set community, in a centered-set environment, what we're really shooting for, what we're really aiming for here is to focus less on that boundary and really think more about trajectory because people are moving, and growing and changing all of us are being formed we're becoming something if you think about who you were five years ago think about what was going on then i mean especially with covid right like that that experience has shaped us that experience has changed us we're not the same people that we were five years ago I mean, if you think 10 years ago, or, you know, if you've lived that long, whatever, you know, like, if if you've been around a while, if you can remember that far back, like, we're changing, we're growing, we're becoming something. And so everybody is, everybody's got some kind of direction to their life. Everybody's got kind of a trajectory that they're moving on. And what Centered Set looks at, Centered Set, what this is all about is saying, are we becoming more like Christ? Are we moving closer into relationship with God? Are we trusting Jesus more or less? Are we moving closer to that center or are we far away? And so in the centered set model of church or the centered set idea of church, you know, you might be really close to the middle. You might start out really close here. But as you can see, this person's trajectory has gotten way off, you know, they're, they're in the middle. They're close to God. They're close to the community. They're, they're close, but the direction, oh goodness, is headed for disaster. Whereas this person who's way on the outside, this person who's way far away, they're actually in a better position because they are moving towards Jesus rather than missing him and moving away. We want to be a community of people that helps everyone, no matter where they come from, no matter their political affiliation, no matter their gender or gender identity, no matter their their race, their ethnicity, the language they speak, their their socioeconomic status. All of those things shape us and form us and and impact how we see the world. Uh, We don't want any of those things to be a barrier to taking one step closer to Jesus. And there is an invisible boundary here, right? Like, there is, there is being in Christ or out of Christ, right? Like, there is a boundary on there somewhere, but we, that's not our focus. Our focus is moving closer to Jesus. And so we can make a lot of room. We can have a lot of grace with people as they struggle to take a step. And I, I need you to take, I need you to have grace with me, right? Like, I, I need that help of a community that is really, oriented towards Jesus Christ and helping me become like Him. Because that existence, that living in the tension, that, that I've got to go all the way back, I've got to go all the way back, that living in this liminal space, in this in-between time, that already not yet experience, that is so hard. It is so difficult. It is so difficult to exist in this space of wanting God to show up and work powerfully in my life, and sometimes not getting it, or sometimes blowing it up myself, or sometimes just struggling to hold on to what is true. And so I need a community of faith. I need a community of people who can help me stay centered on Jesus to help keep the faith when we're waiting for God to appear, when we're waiting for Jesus to do what He, and only He, do finally i just kind of want to end with this they and they are like the pharisees i think um you know people people with power people in charge they had peter and john brought before them and began to question them by what power or what name did you do this because uh peter and john uh just healed somebody in jesus name Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness, shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. I love that fire that Peter responds to, responds with, it's like, dude, yeah, tell them what's true. Guys, there's not a plan B. This is it. This, what, what is happening in our midst, the good thing that God is doing when we gather to worship him and enjoy him, this is what we need. This is what the world needs. Salvation isn't found in anything or anyone else. This is the way, right? This is This is it. And it is worth taking the time and the emotional energy and the mental cost and doing the work in community to be part of this. We have this treasure. What are we going to do with it? Are we going to share it? Are we going to give it to each other? Salvation is found in no one else. And there is no other name under, under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved the signs and the wonders when they happen they point to this reality they point to jesus being who he is who he says he is and it's about coming into relationship with him and experiencing him and experiencing his goodness and it is that which we want to do right now would you stand All right, so now's the time when things get weird.